we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy, as we always do, and grace to help us in our time of need, which is we need you all the time, Lord. And we thank you for that. Open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts to hear and to do purpose in our hearts to obey your word. So we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Yesterday we began talking about the fact that your faith shames your enemies. Amen. Your faith puts your enemies to shame. Uh, sometimes it will put them to flight, but more than more often than not, it puts them in an adversarial position against you. And we're not necessarily talking about human beings, even though the enemy wa- works through human flesh many, many times. But these are spiritual entities that hate the faith of God. They hate God. They hate the Son of God. They hate those and us who are sons and daughters of God who love the Lord, uh, hates us as well. So there is an adversarial position going on here on earth if you really look into the realm of the Spirit and, and ask God to show you these things. They're very, very plain, but many times they can kind of go undetected. Uh, to the natural man or undetected to us as we go through life and then all of a sudden something happens and we're kind of like shocked that, you know, I didn't know my boss felt like that or I didn't know my wife felt like that or I didn't know my kids felt like that. You know, we kind of get a little shocked when we see that. And this is uh part of the life of faith. When you live by faith and you... um are moving in a realm where God can honor what you do that's going to cause a stirring up in the spirit. There are people, entities, people with their beliefs, people with their uh, opposing viewpoints, opinions, uh, will always have something negative to say about faith. Why is it? Because faith is the spirit of God. And if Jesus said, if they if they hated me, they're going to hate you, too, because you belong to me and you do the things that are pleasing to me, the things that are pleasing in my sight. And so we uh, find out as as we live that um, we have to live in a way where God honors our faith and um, our faith is protected. But we can't live, let the uh, opposing viewpoint or the the uh, spiritual forces that don't like our faith, we can't let them dominate and they we can't let them rule. So we have this warfare that goes on where you are adamant about what you believe in God and, and you're following his word as best you can. But then there's this other element that is in disobedience to God, doesn't want to follow him. And, and you know, it's, it's, you, you can't really say, well, uh, you do what you want to do and I'll do what I want to do. And that, that's not, there's no such thing as that. These are two kingdoms that uh, this fight started eons ago. It 
fell from heaven down here to earth. So we're just, we inherited this warfare. It's good versus evil, righteousness versus unrighteousness, kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Uh, these, these kingdoms are always in opposition to one another. And there's no way that we as believers can call a truce on this war. We're not in control of it. We're not the commander of the armies, either army. Amen. Uh, we we can only do our part and do what God commands us to do. We're, if we belong to God, we have to obey him. And if we don't belong to God, I guess you obey whoever else you belong to. But uh, these are sides that are these these battle lines are drawn already. And uh, we've already decided sides. <laughs> and so our job as believers is to stay true to God, to live by faith, because that's how you please God. Since without faith, it's impossible to please him, and the just shall live by faith. So we have to live in obedience to God's word at all times. We we can't live outside of God. You know, he is our life. He's the source of everything that's good in life and everything that we're looking for god's the source of it so we must obey him if we're going to please him and if we're going to live the good life that god has ordained for us to live you can't be intimidated by uh, the other side and what they think and what they believe and and i think the lines are being drawn tighter and tighter every day where it's pretty obvious what people believe and it's pretty obvious what they don't believe and so it's kind of hard it's like the 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 battle is out in the open now you know what i'm saying i mean it's never been so obvious to me that there are the righteous and the unrighteous what they believe what they speak what they do uh uh darkness always has a permissiveness to it you know, it's always, oh, yeah, well, that's okay. You do what you want to do, and, and I'll do what I want to do, and, and, you know, it's all good, and, and all of that. It, that's never true in God's kingdom. There's right and wrong, good and evil, uh, dark and light. These things are op- in opposition to one another, and God is very clear about where his heart is and what he expects his people to do. And when we begin to live for God and live in righteousness, um, not not you trying to do everything right on your own, but you being obedient to God's spirit. That's what righteousness really is. You start to live by faith. You, you start to say, well, I'm going to do this because God says to do it. And I believe that's right. And I want to please him. And, and that's pretty much how it goes. And And when we start determined to live that way then the enemy has to send opposition to keep us distracted from what we're here for to keep us on the wrong road uh, to keep us from finding the perfect will of God and in doing the will of God consistently and so that's this is what this warfare is all about it's about heaven and hell it's about good and evil it's about God and the devil, uh, and and so when we start to live by faith, we find that there are certain reactions in the atmosphere to our thoughts, our words, our activities, our plans, 
uh everything is is kind of like there's a force working against it now whereas before when we before we met the lord and were doing everything the devil told us to do you just had an easy road i mean you had trouble but you got up and and you could do it again now all of a sudden you're doing right and it's like the whole world's against you Amen. And it is because the world opposes the kingdom of God. So we find in the, in the word situations where God begins to teach us how to live for him and teach us how to be uh, wise in the ways of the enemy so that we can continue to live for God and we won't be defeated and we won't be, uh, you know, tripped up and we won't be, um, uh, you know, downtrodden. We will be victorious. And, and that's what we have to think in terms of, you know, years ago, Christians didn't even think or talk like this. What happened? What happened was <laughs> time marched on, amen, and God began to release more power to his people in the earth. When the power shows up, the enemy shows up too to try to stop the power, amen. That's his game. He wants to stop. If he can intimidate Christians and threaten us and make us think that, oh, you can't do that. You know, if you do it, well, the example we used pretty extensively yesterday was this vaccine mandate. Now, you know, and I know no government is is morally obligated to force people to put something in their bodies that they don't think they should put in there. So it shouldn't be the government's choice for anything. It's it's just like them saying, well, we've decided that it would be better if we gave everybody a dose of, of uh, syphilis or gonorrhea. And then, you know, we can see how you respond to that. And, and then we can know some things about you. And don't think that's not possible because it's been done before. Amen. It, it, you know, it's this. These things are always done. They're always experiments, but many times the government stays out of this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? But now we've got the government telling us or your employer telling you, uh, you won't be able to be employed anymore if you don't take this injection. Amen. And so that should never be another person's right to intimidate. See, you can always tell it's the enemy because of the fear factor and the intimidation factor and the punishment factor. God never intimidates. He never does anything through fear and he never punishes you. Amen. For what you can always repent and get forgiven with God. Uh, but see, when man is in charge, there's no mercy. They just are forcing you to do things uh, without your permission. And so we see a lot of rules like this now all of a sudden popping up where people are forbidden to have an opposite opinion about anything. Uh, you know, you can't even voice your opinion. You get If you go on social media and, and pray for somebody who's uh, a sinner to get saved, you know, they'll want to shut you down for doing that. And that has never happened before. Why is that happening all of a sudden now? Why? 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 You think about why? Why? Because God is moving in a greater dimension of power than we've ever seen in the earth before. 
And the enemy knows that if he doesn't stop that from happening and try and intimidate and force people to back down and not pray for anybody and not uh, tell anybody the gospel or anything like that, if he can intimidate people and force them to back down, then he can stop God's plan to save the whole world. God wants everybody saved. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. That's not what hell was. Hell was was set aside for Satan and his demons, not for people. But if people make up their minds they're going to obey Satan, they have to go there. But they don't have to if they'll repent and receive Jesus as their Savior. Amen? It's just that simple. The gospel's just that simple. And you would think something that simple wouldn't cause the devil such headaches, but he hates it. He hates it when you go somewhere and you stop somebody and say, can I pray for you? You know, I just feel like God wants to bless you, wants to heal you. And is there anything you need from God? No, we did that for years on the streets here. You know, you just go out with your T-shirt on that says need prayer and people stop you. And people say, yeah, I need prayer. I, I'm, You know, I've got this going on. i got that going on. I, I want you to pray for me. Well, the devil hates that. He hates prayer. Why? Because he knows God answers prayer. And he knows God's kingdom increases because of prayer. So he's been around the block a few times. He knows what's going to happen with this. And so when we understand what we're up against, then we can can make plans. We can uh, help. We can strategize with God. How we're going to be successful at continuing to preach the gospel and continue to invite people into God's kingdom, continue to pray. But don't think the enemy's not counter strategizing to stop it. He just wants to stop the gospel from going forth. He wants to stop people from praying. Why do you think churches are closed now? You know, you know, coronavirus doesn't know the difference between Home Depot and your church. You understand what I'm saying? This was done on purpose. Amen? It was done on purpose. And then the churches that are open, you can't sing, you can't congregate, you can't do this. All kinds of rules have been set up. Now, the people that are doing this will tell you they don't, that's not why we're doing it. We have our rules. Well, they're ignorant as to why they're doing it. They just get a thought that they want to do this stuff. Amen? And that thought comes from the enemy. It don't come from God. God would tell him, listen, I protect my people from sickness. My people are healed. My people aren't afraid to congregate together and to worship together. Amen. We never shut down our meetings. We we weren't told by God to shut them down. Amen. I remember when we first started this ministry, we were in a church where, where we were all, you know, faithful little members. Of course, there was always antagonism there with the religious group, you know, which we'll talk about some and talk about Jesus' ministry. But religion uh, tends to want to separate people from God. There's too much human control in it. Even though people may be saved, may be born again, they pick up religion because they like that. Uh, control that it gives them 
They don't have to yield to God. They don't have to humble themselves. They can just go in and, and, you know, put on a robe and say they're, they're God's representative and, and that's the end of it. There's no change of heart. There's no change where God molds them and shapes them like he would somebody who, that truly loves the Lord. And, and so religion will always stand against what God's doing, even in the same building. And so we found ourselves one morning, we found ourselves without a building to go to. The door was locked. We couldn't go in for prayer anymore. Amen. And so I went home and I thought, oh, God, you know, how you feel sorry for yourself until God, you know, gets you in a corner and jacks you up a little bit. And he, you know, he said, I didn't call you to sit down. Get up. (laughs) Go to the next place. There's always a next place. And so I've always remembered that, you know, my first attempt at quitting because man said I couldn't do it anymore. Huh? It failed miserably. And so I know better than to quit when man says you got to quit or to sit down when man tries to make it too tough for you or put people in fear. or People don't want to come and be close to each other and. You know, those people have always been standoffish. You know, situations like this really just expose what's in the hearts of people. And they'll swear, oh, no, I love the Lord and I would come to church. But well, what about the people who are butting their way in the church regardless? Oh, you got me? Well, see, I'm not like them. We know you're not. <laughs> and it's not a good thing. Amen. You you never fear what God has put into your life. Amen. So the enemy wants us to fear that. And then people get home and get comfortable. And that's where the trouble starts. Because once they get comfortable, then they don't want to move on. They've already made excuses for why they're doing what they do. Got me. Mm-hmm. So it exposes what's in people's hearts. You know, struggle always does that. It separates out the fearless from the fearful. It separates the faith from the uh, from the fear, the determined from from the wishy washy. Amen. The ones who have backbone from the ones that don't have any from the jellyfish amen and so so we we have to understand that that's what's going on at the same time now you know god is sorting separating out he's showing people what's really in their hearts a lot of them don't want to look at it but that's between them and the lord you know i'm not one to just go around expose people and say well look at you reason you don't come to church is because you got comfortable here and you never really liked god anyway and you weren't ever sold out to god anyway you understand you 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 just continue to do what God tells you to do. My job is to teach people who are here. I can't worry about who's not here. You got me? That's that's the way it always is with the gospel. You 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 serve the ones that God brings and the others you pray for. Amen. I pray that those people will snap out of it and start fellowshipping again. But see, people, once you give your Sunday away to somebody else, it's real hard to get it back again. Because then the devil, he's already got you in a trap, and he's triple locked the door. So it makes it hard for you to get out. 
And see, I know from experience, anybody that tries to open that door and bring you out is going to have trouble. Because they're going to have to fight you to get you out of there. Amen. It's always the way it is. And so when people give in to fear, fear becomes their God. Whether you like that or not, it's true. And so you have to uh, pray people out. You have to pry them out. Whatever God shows you is a strategy because they need to be set free from that fear. But we can't stop our lives as church people and, and go out and rescue those who can't be rescued right now. God has a plan for everybody. And we have to trust the plan of God that he is moving on their hearts. If we'll pray, he will move. Amen. And we, you know, church will probably look a whole lot different than it's ever looked before because of this, this strategy of the enemy to try and separate us from God. That's what it's about. And so once we understand that God's working in the midst of us anyhow, He's saving people anyhow. He's healing people anyhow. His kingdom still goes on. Then we'll we'll be more peaceful about it, I think. But but you know, people look around sometimes. Empty seats always make people nervous. You know, not nervous enough to go out and get anybody and put them in that seat. But (laughs) (laughs) you worry what's really going on here. Why isn't anybody here? I must be in the wrong place. That's what the enemy wants you to think. He he wants you to process it like that and get nervous about where you are, even though you know God sent you there. Amen. And and so if he can get people off guard and get them nervous, moving around. See, a moving target for him is an easier one than a stable one. See, if you're, if you're stable, that means you're anchored by something. And that something is stronger than the enemy. But if he can uproot you and get you moving around, he's got an easy target to ping. Huh? He can pick you off anytime he wants to. Cause you don't have any roots. You're looking for something. And you're confused. And you don't know where you belong. And so if he can get you wandering, and get you worrying and get you unsure and insecure and moving around, then he's got an easy target to pick you off. He'll get you in the wrong place. You know, where your faith will start to fail, then your healing starts to slip away, your health slips away, your money's gone. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's the way of the enemy. And he's got a lot of people like that right now by disturbing the the worship and disturbing their stability in their churches. I thank God for ministers who kind of try to keep their congregations together. You know, if they couldn't open their buildings, they were smart enough to um, get a Zoom call together or keep their people together through prayer, open up a prayer line. I mean, God's been real creative with us. In the ways that he's had us still contact one another. And what's happened is the, the fearful and the faint hearted have dropped out. And it's the stable and the strong that have survived. And that's, that's God's plan. He always wants people to, to choose him and to choose to be stable. 
So yesterday we spoke about the first instance that we see in the Bible of murder, and it came because of faith. One had faith and one didn't. Amen? And so faith will cause uh, um, trouble in your life when you express your faith. Amen? So in Genesis chapter 4, we see the story of Cain and Abel. And we see that Abel was one who used his faith. Amen. In fact, Hebrews 11, 4 says that by faith, Abel made a more excellent sacrifice than Cain did and God accepted it. So God accepts what he requires. Amen. So it wasn't that Cain didn't make a sacrifice. He gave something, but it wasn't what God required. Amen. Amen. So, so the, the Bible is real clear on what God requires to forgive sin. And that's the shedding of blood. Amen. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So what happened to Cain was that he didn't bring the right sacrifice, so his sin remained on him. So he got angrier and angrier and more and more distant from God instead of just doing what God required and and live a good life like his brother did. It says um, in verse 3, and in the process, does our friend want to, you want to go in? Go into the bookstore, sweetie. You can anytime you want to. You can excuse yourself. Okay, you don't have to wait for permission. Okay, sweetheart? Yeah. And find something interesting to read this time. (laughs) Praise God. In the process of time, verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought, number one, the first of his flock. So when you honor God, you think of him first. The tithe was always the first tenth. You give by faith. You don't give by leftovers. Amen. You don't take what you want first and give the remainder to God. You take what is God's and set it aside and think of him first. That's really what what the first of things was about. It's not that God doesn't want you to have anything nice, so you don't have to be jealous of what you have to give to God. But God says, think of me first all the time. And if you think of me first and honor me that way, then I'll always provide for you. It's just that simple. That's what putting no other gods before him really means. That's the first commandment, you know, that you obey. You put God first in all things, so think of him first. Amen? And it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. So it looks like Abel probably brought the fruit of the ground and the 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 uh, uh, animal sacrifice. And he had to shed blood in order to make an offering to God. And he says, and and the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering, but to Cain, his offering, what he had no respect. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So God's disapproval puts us at opposites with God. 
You're not happy. You're not pleased. You're, you're bothered. You're, you're irritated. And, and the Lord said to Cain, he said, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? He says, if you do the right thing, you will be accepted too. Amen. So God is counseling him and telling him what his problem is and how to fix it. God always does that for us, folks. He's a merciful God. He doesn't just leave you out there in no man's land floundering and wondering what to do. He tells you exactly what he what's acceptable to him. And he says, if you do well, will not you be accepted? And if you don't don't do well, then sin lies at the door. In other words, there's sin is going to overtake you and it's going to open it up, please, and going to cause you not to do well. Amen. And so once you understand that there's penalties, there there are um, rewards for doing right and penalties for not doing right, then you'll understand that how this happened, how it happened that two brothers were one was able to murder the other one and 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 it and displease God in such a grave way. And you think to yourself, my goodness, that's pretty drastic. You don't kill somebody because they do something better than you do. Well, what do you think is going on in the world all the time? Huh? Why do you think people murder each other? Hmm? Envy, jealousy, anger, hatred. They think differently than the other person. It's always differences that cause brother to raise hands against brother and and all that kind of opposition and stuff. And so here you see the first murder ever recorded in the word of God. Amen. Where a brother murders his brother. Why? Because of his faith. The bottom line is faith. And you see that throughout with with people who served God when they lived by faith it always upset somebody else it it upsets people who don't live by faith they don't like to see you trusting God they don't like to see you uh, they always want to talk you out of believing God I always want to tell you that that's not going to work and that there's it's just that these are two kingdoms set against one another and when that that opposition comes it it expresses itself in different ways so in this case Cain was corrected and gave he was given an opportunity not to let it go this far but he didn't take the opportunity amen Many times people, because there are people around us who are in faith, God invites us into that same realm of faith so that we don't have to be at opposition. We don't have to be at disagreement. We don't have to be at each other's throats because one person believes God will do a miracle and the other person doesn't. You can, with, by faith, you can, in, in agreement, you can invite other people into your level of faith. Just say, you know, if, if you want God to heal you, I can pray for you. That's how we bring peace in these situations where there would be conflict that, that ends this way. In the new covenant, we invite other people in to our faith. So you don't have to stand in opposition to everybody 
that thinks different than you do or obeys God differently or doesn't agree with the way you you worship and all that kind of stuff. Now we're invited in. Amen. So that's where the peace comes in. So if if someone say for instance if God uh, heals your body and and uh, somebody else is needing a healing you can offer to pray for them amen now some people will accept it and and some people won't but there's the opportunity there it's the same thing that God offered Cain he said if you do well you'll be accepted amen and so really if if we do well you know, say my faith is, is not as strong in certain things. We know when we believe and we know when others believe stronger than we do. Well, God, there's no barrier to you getting yourself involved in their faith. You just go in and let them come into agreement with you. Don't stand and defend your unbelief against somebody who has greater faith than you do. See, that's that's the wrong attitude. Don't make yourself their adversary because you're they're using your faith and you refuse to use yours. Amen. Or you don't know how to use it or you didn't think it was going to be this simple that all you had to do was come into agreement with them and you can partake of the same blessings that that other person partakes of. So there's no private access to God. It's open to everybody who will believe. And so that's the challenge is is getting people over into the realm of faith where they can partake of the blessings that God has for them. There are people that are fearful. They've been living in fear all their lives and they don't want to move out of that door of fear. And they'll tell you that they believe anyway and you can see fear written all over them. Amen. And they're trying to hide that. And not let it be exposed. Why? Because when people are exposed, they feel what? Shame. And that's what we talk, we're talking about here. Your faith shames your enemies. It makes them ashamed for their lack of faith. But they don't have to stay there. They can come and enter into faith with you. Amen. Well, we pray a prayer of agreement with one another. That's how the church grows. That's how we get strong. We get strong through agreement. We get strong through sharing our faith. We get strong through sharing the word and ministering the word of faith to one another, ministering truth to one another. That's how we grow. And so that's the pattern that Jesus has left for us here in the earth is that we are able to grow by our faith, we're able to help one another by our faith. So we don't have to be at odds with one another anymore. We don't have to be ashamed of, of, of what we, what we don't believe or what we haven't received yet. We, we're made as, as members of the same body so that we know we can have access to whatever that other person has access to is available to us. Because you can believe just like they can believe. And if you don't totally believe, just ride on the, the prayer of agreement until you can get to the place where that, that faith takes hold in you. But, but be working on it. Amen. Be allowing God to, to change you from one level of faith to the next level of faith. So you don't have to be ashamed of your unbelief. You don't have to be ashamed of, of the fact that you don't believe like, like somebody else believes. So God invites Cain to correct himself. And to use his faith. His faith is sitting over here doing nothing. 
where his brother is using his faith. So it's not like somebody's better than somebody or somebody can do more than somebody or somebody's got some kind of an advantage. The Bible says to every man is dealt the measure of faith. You just got to put it to use, put it to work. And you can do that. You don't have to have anybody's permission to use your faith. You can use it anytime you want to. Your faith is between you and God. If God tells you, I'm going to do a miracle in your household, I'm going to save everybody in your household in the span of 12-month period of time, that's between you and God. And you say, Father, I thank you. And continue to thank Let's keep expressing your faith to him every single day. Every minute you think about, God, I thank you. My family's coming. Oh, Lord, I thank you for that word. I thank you, Lord. I'm going to see them all serve you. The devil's got to leave here. He's not getting an advantage over my family anymore. They are free. And you start to thank God and and keep yourself in faith. Amen. Because the first thing that's going to happen, the devil's going to try to tell, oh, that wasn't God. You think you you mean your family? Them rough customers over there, huh? Babra and Man Man and Pookie and hmm? oh Pookie ain't getting saved. I know that dude. Huh? Yep, right. Hell would have to freeze over before Pookie gets saved. Amen. And so the enemy will throw thoughts at you like that, get you to doubt God said that. When God, the Bible says clearly, it's not God's will that anybody go to hell. That's not his will. So what you've been believing is the will of God. And this is what the enemy hates. He hates the will of God being done here on earth. He hates heaven coming down here on earth. He wants to run the earth. Because this is where he was kicked out of heaven too. So he think he's supposed to have earth and heaven never come here anymore. But God sure fooled him, didn't he? Sent his son to the cross to bring heaven down here on earth. It's like, devil, I'm following you. I'm tracking you down. I'm kicking you out of earth because I'm taking people. I'm saving them and I'm taking them to heaven with me. Amen. You ain't getting these people no more. You can't have them anymore. And so your faith will often shame people. It's really what the devil's after. He's after to stop your faith. It has nothing to do with, you know, this, this, this warfare has so little to do sometimes with what we think it has to do with. You got me? You know, somebody's mad at me. They don't like me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The devil don't like God. And his people don't like anybody God. They've got God in them. Do you know who lives in you? Uh, yeah, the greater one. If you were a little puny imp and five foot two, ninety two pound, and you saw a two hundred and fifty pound bodybuilder coming down the street, and you knew he was coming to take your stuff. You probably go pay a bunch of people to try and fight him for you. And that's what the devil does when God's people show up and start to express their faith. When you go to pray somewhere, the, the, the devil already has people perched and demons perched to talk to them to talk you out of what you just prayed. 
put doubt in your mind about whether it's going to happen or not. Amen. So he's on the the job 24-7 to why? Because he's ashamed that he can't believe like you can. You don't think the devil would give anything he could to have his position back again that he had in heaven? So the only thing he can do is stop somebody else from getting there. Huh? He wants to stop your prayers. He wants to stop you believing. He wants to stop your obedience. He wants to stop everything that points towards your faith. Everything that, every way that you express your faith, he wants to stop it. He wants to put an end to it. He wants to discourage you so that you don't use it anymore. And you start believing God for major miracles. You start believing him for a household salvation in one year and start talking like it and acting like it and thinking like it. Amen. He'll do anything he can stop you from doing that. Amen. Look at the things that he he's done with the, the patriarchs and the saints over the years. Daniel prayed out loud in front of his window three times a day. And the devil couldn't stand it. So what did he do? He set up some of the king's trusted men to tell the king. He said, you know what? We got too many people praying around here and they don't, they don't listen to you. So we got to stop that king. King said, ooh, they praying and don't listen to me. Ooh, we got to stop that. So they, they made up a law. You think your government won't make up laws to stop you? from using your faith what do you think is going on now with churches being closed and people being told you can't sit next to somebody in california they told people they can't worship they can't sing they can't chant you got me so they're controlling god's house from the caesar seat of authority is now controlling god's house and there are many people who are afraid and don't even try to fight it. Just go ahead and obey. Oh, they're going to close us down. You close down anyway. What, what can be more closed down than telling you you can't go in there? When you get in there, you can't worship. What else are you going to do in church? So, yeah, the enemy has come to stop our faith, folks. It shames him. It puts shame on him. Amen. Because he can't control it. He can't do what he wants to do. He can't have his way. Amen. That's one thing you can't stop is your faith. So when you, when you start using your faith, like Bartimaeus, remember he was up in the tree and, and he saw Jesus passing him by and he said, wait, oh, wait a minute, there's my healing. Oh, Lord, I let my healing go down the street. He said, Jesus, <laughs> have mercy on me. Amen. Stop the train. I want my healing today. You don't let that pass you by. You see an opportunity to, to be blessed by God. You you put put the brakes out there and say, no, don't pass me by. Come here, right here, right now. And they said, what did, what did people around him do? Shh, be, be quiet. Don't trouble the master. There's always some bad ushers in every church. Uh-huh. 
God told you to go there and go straight to the altar and get prayer and you're on your way up to the front and they want to stop you and, and oh these seats are reserved for no they ain't they reserved for me because God told me come here amen they want to throw you out <laughs> you know I don't fight with people over what chair they sit in and we've had, we, you know, we have, have our conferences, we have reserved seats on the front row because a lot of times ministers come and they need to hear the word. They don't need to be stuck in the back where people are just chatting and talking and you understand what I'm saying? You honor them to say you came here for a reason, a God reason. And so we've got a seat for you. That's all that means. And there are people that want in them seats anyway. Well, I'll let them have them. You understand what I'm saying? Unless we run out of them, it might be something different. But you're not going to fight over somebody. Somebody might get in that seat and get healed or get in that seat and get a breakthrough in their lives somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't struggle with people when they're trying to get closer to God. That's all I'm saying. And they try to stop Bartimaeus from from (laughs) talking loud and stopping Jesus, (laughs) you know. People just crazy. It's like, what do you think he wants him for? I mean, why would somebody be trying to get close to the man or woman of God so they can get help, folks? But you've always got religious demons that just they think order is every or their order. They want to keep it like they want it. And they, they just thought this up this morning. I'm going to make people be quiet. I don't like all them people hollering out Jesus' name. I'm going to make them stop. Huh? It's true. They have no better reason for doing something than that. A lot of these little crazy rules we have. Well, I'll tell you one thing. With churches closed down, ain't no demon deacons, nobody in charge. Ushers in charge of nothing no more. Amen? They're all sitting at home, scared. <laughs> But what did Bartimaeus do? He said he talked louder. He said, "Oh no, you're not robbing me of this. I'm getting. I'm gonna see today. I come here blind, and I've been thinking all day about going home seeing. And you're not gonna take it away from me, Amen." So his faith began to put shame on those people. Anytime people try to make you keep quiet in church, they're ashamed of of praising God. They're ashamed of exalting God. Huh? You've seen these dead churches. You lift up your hand, they start staring at you. Huh? Now, you and I don't live like that. We live free because God wants us to worship him. But there are churches that have gone cold and dead because people just, that's, just too, that's too low class. That's too ghetto for us around here. We we sophisticated people. We just sit here and fold our hands the whole service. That's why God never shows up there. Amen. you got to welcome him. He's welcomed by your worship. He's welcomed by your praise. He's welcomed by your shout and your dance. Amen. All of that. He's welcomed by that. He's not welcomed by this nonsense. So anyway, the the enemy hates faith. He's shamed by it. That's that's the main thing. Is is he wishes he could sound like that. So there's something in everybody when they are abiding in unbelief 
anybody who's in faith becomes their enemy. They start to fight you. Amen. And so this is this is why you have to once you start operating in faith, you have to be ready for the fight and you have to be determined to stay in faith. You don't have to say anything to anybody. You just have to be determined not to change your confession and not to change your expectation and not to change your prayer and not to change your mind because the enemy stands ready to steal that from you all day long. So in Luke chapter 13, why don't we turn there? We'll see this woman that was so um, disease had taken over her body. And she had been in a position of of being uh, bent over. She was she had been fixed in that position so long she couldn't even straighten herself up. And so here she's been like this. Uh, I think Jesus said like eighteen years. So here we go, Luke chapter thirteen, starting in verse ten. It says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Amen. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. That's weakness or sickness. Something was wrong. Eighteen years and was bowed over and could in no wise lift herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Now, most situations you see people going to Jesus. Amen. It's and that's that's normal. The fact that people approach him usually means that they have faith for what they desire. I mean, so that approaching someone who's anointed is a requirement generally as an expression of their faith. That's why we have an altar call. We have an altar call when people come up to the front. That means they're expressing their faith for what they need from God. You seldom see Jesus go to anybody. When 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 you go to somebody, you're not sure if they're in faith or not. See, you see what I'm saying? So protocol is you give an altar call, anybody who comes forward. They're expressing enough faith to open the door for God to minister to them and give them what they need. Amen. That's why you have the altar call. And that keeps you from having to go seat to seat and wrestle with people and fight with people and try to make them receive from God. I mean, it's just common sense. But that expression of their faith. Many times Jesus would see somebody like somebody, Bartimaeus. He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, obviously, this man's blind. Hello. But he asks him, what can I do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He had to express faith for his uh, for his vision to be restored before God could open the door to heal him. Faith has to be expressed by the person that's needing what they need, folks. You can't force. You can't force a, a blessing on somebody. It's always a door of faith has to be open. Bartimaeus might have said, give me some money instead of healing my eyes. He never would have got healed if he had asked for something else. So, and, and I've had people that come to the altar and I was sure they wanted to get rid of their crutches. 
But they would say, I need a financial blessing. And I'm like, well, what about the obvious? You're, you got, you're here on a crutch. You know, God wants your body well, too. But many times people don't want what the obvious is that they need. They just don't even think that God would want to give it to them or whatever. You know, the enemy steals it from them. Maybe they've been wanting it and they just resign themselves to the fact that it's not going to happen for them now. And so anyway, but this lady, she's, she, he goes to her and she couldn't lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to him, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with what? Indignation. He's angry, just like Cain was. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. (laughs) In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answered him, say, you hypocrite, you work on the Sabbath day. He said, this lady's a human being and you've got animals on your farm. And if one of them falls in the mud and is about to drown, you pull him out, whether it's Sunday or any other day. He said, isn't this lady worth more? She's a daughter of Abraham. Isn't she worth more than one of your pieces of cattle? And he says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were, what, ashamed. And all the people did, what, rejoiced. So you're going to have two different reactions to your faith. There are going to be people who are looking for God to move and wanting their their, uh, suffering to be alleviated or wanting to see somebody get better. You know, you don't know it might have been her family members were there with her in, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And they rejoice because now mom can walk and she's normal again and she's healed. So there are always going to be two reactions to the power of God, two reactions to your faith, two reactions for the manifestation of your faith. Because this came about through Jesus anointing and through his faith. Amen. She's a daughter of Abraham and she ought to be. She ought to be. She ought to be. What Jesus was saying to these Pharisees was that why haven't you done something about her before now? That's what faith always says. If you believed yourself, you could have gotten her healed any other day of the week. This man tells them, oh, you, you can, you can come here Monday through Saturday, you know, or Monday through whatever day they, they, six days a week, you can come and, and we'll heal you. Oh no, you won't, you liar, because you would have healed her already. If your intention was for her to be well, she would have been well already. This lady has waited 18 years. Why is the Pharisee just now standing up and saying something about her? Because he's ashamed and embarrassed. 
that he's not able to do it. See, people, sometimes people want control and want power, and they don't have ability to help people. We have tons of churches like that. Good choir. Some of them preach a good word, but they never have an altar call to help people. Well, whatever. I don't care if y'all don't like it. I don't care who don't like it. It's the truth. You're supposed to get people healed. Not supposed to bring them to church and leave them out, let them go out the same way they came in. Are you kidding me? Might as well let them stay at home. At least they'd have their money in their pocket. What are they paying your place to stay open for? They can't get their needs met. I mean, even if you have to pray for months and have the whole congregation in agreement on it, at least you're having some, you're addressing it with your faith. Getting some movement. But there are, there are places where they never have an altar call. You got 10,000 people packed up in some of these places and they come in sick, they leave sick. They come in uh, troubled and, and demon possessed, they leave the same way. And, but they think they had a good time. They wouldn't quit going there if you paid them money. You understand what I'm saying? Because they've been convinced that that's the place to be. And there's no faith there. There's no power there. There's not much of anything there. Hypocrites. That's what Jesus calls them. Amen. You talk one way and you do something else. You talk a good game about not doing work on the Sabbath. But if if something happened and, and you found it was an emergency, you'd break that law. Well, that's what Jesus just did. He thought this woman getting her health back was an emergency. And I'm going to break the law. I'm going to heal her on a non-work day. (laughs) Amen. So your health is always an emergency to God. Amen. He wants you healed yesterday. And Jesus calls her a daughter in Abraham. And he says she ought to be well. Why is she sick walking around this synagogue? Why is she still bowed over? How come you, you haven't healed her by now? See what I'm saying? So this puts shame on them because they see that they haven't been standing up and doing what God's called them to do. Yet they're trying to stop Jesus from doing what God put him here to do. And that's the trouble with religion. It gets stronger and stronger on people. The more you try to break it down, sometimes the stronger it gets. They come back with new rules. Amen. They always came back with more rules to stop Jesus from doing what God sent him here to do. God doesn't like us suffering. He doesn't like us sick. Jesus died a very violent and bloody death to pay for us to be healed. And when God sent him to the earth, he sent him here to heal the brokenhearted, bind up wounds, Open blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears to alleviate human suffering. So when Jesus came on the scene, people flocked. This is when, when you see, when they say multitudes of people, they mean thousands and thousands. Because we have a, an account of when Jesus fed these people. And it was 5,000 families. Amen. Not people, but families. And you don't think the devil's jealous of that? You don't think he's intimidated by that? And then when Jesus died and, 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 and formed the church, 
those people scattered all over the earth to raise up more people who can operate in faith. Now that drives the devil totally crazy. If he, you think if, if he went crazy when Jesus was here and he was just one man with, with disciples, some followers who were doing the same works that he did, now that there's so many of us popping up everywhere, you don't think the devil's really crazy to stop that if he can? He'll do anything he can. He'll turn your family against you to stop you from preaching the gospel. He'll do anything he can. He don't care. Amen. Kidnap your kids, get them on drugs, anything to distract you, cause you to get faint in your commitment to God. Anything he can. So don't be shocked in any. Why? Because it puts shame on him. See, It shames him. And he can't get out from under that shame and he'll do anything to stop you. Amen. Shame is very hard for, for people who wear it to get rid of. Because it's so common. Amen. So when you express your faith, you better be determined to keep expressing your faith. Amen. Don't quit for anybody. Don't stop for anybody. And don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Once you start anything by faith, you got to commit to keep living that way. You can't get weak and you can't faint. You can't stop and you can't wonder about who don't like you and why they don't like you. They're never demons are never going to like you. Amen. And anybody who listens to demons ain't going to like you either. Amen. So you just have to make up your mind. God, give me more. <laughs> Isn't that what the disciples said? They, Yeah, they they got mad at them. The, the Jewish leaders, they were still around even after they killed Jesus. They were still around to kill his followers. Look at Saul of Tarsus. He was the king of the Christian killers. Amen. But when the disciples were threatened and put in jail and forbidden to preach anymore in the name of Jesus, huh? They went back to their own company instead of praying and asking God to give. God, why don't they like me? How come they don't like me? They said, God, give us more boldness. We're scared and we're weak and we need to fix that. But we're not going to stop preaching the gospel. We're not going to stop using our faith. We're not going to stop obeying the Lord's command. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're not going to stop that. But get us out of this fear. Get us out of this intimidation. Get us out of this weakness. Get us out of feeling like we don't want to do this anymore. Amen. So they ask for more boldness. Amen. If a little bit of boldness got you in trouble, you got to get more to get you out. Amen. <laughs> You just probably didn't get enough the first time. You you were kind of halfway in there and halfway out the first time. Now you know what the 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 antidote is. Amen. For wavering is more faith. If your faith is trying to waver, you gotta get more faith. Amen. You gotta get more boldness. You gotta get to the place where you don't care if you're the only one left standing. You gonna stand. Amen. You make up your mind you're not going to quit, folks. This ain't something to quit on. 
How do you quit on God? <laughs> he said he would never leave you or forsake you. Huh? That means trouble. See, it's comforting to, oh, wow, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. Yeah, but he's the reason you get in trouble in a lot of places you are. Huh? The fact that he won't leave you is is a plus and a minus at the same time. So you got to make it 100% plus. you got to resolve to let the minuses not count. Amen? I get persecuted. I get talked about. People don't like me. They tell me I'm not hearing from God. They tell me I'm being mean. They tell me I don't care about them. They say, well, the devil's always going to accuse you of something. Huh? Yeah, he's just always going to accuse you. I'm Pastor Barb. You just talk so rough. Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. You get in my way and see how rough I'll get. See, you're trying to talk me out of it right now. Little devil. I bind you in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. Leave me alone. Get behind me. (laughs) Amen. Put up with that nonsense. Even, even if you even if you don't care about people, the devil's not the one to correct you on that. He's not your father. He's no business speaking into your life about anything to correct you. Are you kidding me? You can be the meanest person around, but it's not the devil's job to tell you that. Mm. <laughs> Anything he can do to slow you down, he'll slow you down. If he can make you doubt, if you're doing what God wants you to do, he'll make you doubt it. If he can talk you out of obeying God, he'll do it. Because that's his job. I don't care who it comes through. Huh? He always use family members. Use your wife, your husband, your kids, a trusted friend. He use anybody to talk you out of that. Well, the prophet Elijah, when he he was about to leave the earth, there was a king that had come to, he had prophesied against the king. King was in disobedience. He prophesied against him, and and he was he was up on a mountain up top, and and the king had sent fifty soldiers to come and arrest him. And they said, man of God, come down. The king wants you. And he said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. It came down consumed them all. Huh? He went out with a bang, folks. He didn't go out in a whimper. Are you kidding me? If if shooting fire got you to where you are, you got to shoot more fire to stay. So they sent another group of 50. Oh, man of God. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Amen. The third bunch got smart. He said, can you pray for us, please? Amen. Amen. So you don't let the devil talk you down from the position that God gave you. Your faith built the platform that you're standing on. Nothing but your faith. 
And the devil's trying to get you to tear it down so you can come down from your exalted place where God placed you. He puts you there for his glory and for his purpose. He gives you faith so that you can work for him. You let go of your faith, you're no good to God. So you might as well cash it all in. Just say, God, let's deal with this right now. Let's get it over with right now. I got to see if my faith is going to carry me through or not. But I'm going to go with my faith. Amen. And keep using your faith for what God used it for. Because if you let those people talk you out of obeying God, you're all going to be in a ditch. Because they're going to be looking to you to get them out of trouble when they get in trouble. Amen. Tell you to quit going to church. And then they get sick and they wonder why your prayers don't work. Well, I thought you knew God. Now, you know, all this. Uh-huh. Don't let them talk you out of that. Amen. You keep doing the right thing. Your faith got you where you are. It'll continue. Let just build a bigger platform. That's all. Keep shooting the word out there. Keep worshiping God. Keep declaring what God has told you about a situation. Keep letting your faith work for you. Don't ever cash it in and quit using your faith. You won't be a help to yourself or anybody else. Amen. So so you want to stay in that position where God can use you. And he can use you when he sees your faith is on display. Amen. So so Jesus, yes, Jesus had to rebuke the um, uh, uh, the uh, uh Ruler of the synagogue for his hypocrisy. People who are jealous of your faith are hypocrites because they want it both ways. They want to be friends with the world and they also want God's power. And what the enemy is jealous of is God's power. They want that power for themselves and don't know how to get it. Amen. They can get it the same way you do. If you're, if, if you read your Bible, And you thank God for what he's doing and you say, well, God, I see in your word that you want me to lay hands on the sick. Teach me how to do that. That's all you got to do is ask God to teach you and instruct you and prepare you or empower you. Don't assume you got nothing. Amen. But you have to go to God and, and get his preparation for these things. Same way Jesus did. Amen. He waited for God to anoint him. He was already full of the word, but he waited for God to anoint him so that he could be directed in the right way in his ministry. Amen. The anointing really is your direction in your ministry as much as it is power. You don't just go up and start praying for any and everybody without God's permission and without his direction. Many people have thought that they could go anywhere and do anything and God would be with them. Well, I'm a minister. Well, I'm anointed. I'm this and I'm that. And, and, and fail miserably. Amen. It's like, you know, people say things like, um, uh, the man that was at the gate beautiful that, uh, James and John in book in Acts chapter two. I think it's the second chapter. Is it two or three? I'm not sure. Let me turn there real quick. Is a lot of times people get stumped on things like this. You know, it says here. And three, Peter and John says went up 
to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's room was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate. Now, it's it's very, very possible that this man was laying there when Jesus did his ministry. And people will say things, well, uh, I wonder why Jesus didn't heal him. Because that his name was not on that miracle. If your name is not on that healing and not on that miracle, you're not going to be the one to do it. But the anointing will direct you to where God wants you to use your anointing or use his anointing to help people. Jesus walked by him many times. It just wasn't his time yet. But his time finally did come. Well, if Jesus couldn't just randomly, well, he never could randomly walk up to anybody. He had to use their faith. It had to be assigned to him by the Father. There are many places he could have gone. There were places he went and couldn't do much there, period, because people would not believe. They refused to believe. So it's not like Jesus can, quote, unquote, do anything. These things have to be assigned to everybody. It is the same thing with us. If God has not assigned you to pray for that sick person, then just pass them by. You understand what I'm saying? We think this power belongs to us like we can use it anytime we want to, anywhere we want to, for anybody we want to. Oh, these things are assigned to you. The Bible says the good works that you do are foreordained before the foundation of the earth. If your name ain't on that miracle, leave that person alone. Huh? You go snatch somebody out of a wheelchair and they fall on the floor and sue you. Huh? So you have to be careful about these things. But there's enough that God's called us to do that he's anointed us to do. Amen? It's not like you can't pray for anybody ever, but start with yourself, with your children, with your spouse. Start with those close to you and ask God to begin to release that power through you. You're responsible for those people. You may not be responsible for John Brown on the street. Amen. And so, but if you're assigned to do that, then do it. But don't just assume that that's what you're supposed to do. Many people have failed. And I tell you right now, many of these churches that don't have altar calls, the the pastors have tried it and failed at it and then quit. And who hasn't tried and failed at something but went back to God and got more boldness, more power, more anointing? God help me. Why couldn't I do that? Amen. Just like the disciples asked Jesus when they couldn't cast a devil out of that little boy. They asked him, Lord, after the meeting was over, Lord, why couldn't we do that? In other words, we usually have success with that. Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because you're unbelief. Amen. You let that stand in the way of you being able to heal that boy. And so we have to be careful with with our faith that we know that it's a sign to us to help people, but you must have the unction to go forward and do what you do. You just can't go. I've seen people get in, in trouble. They go to a church. They're new in the church. And then they want to start prophesying to people. They want to start laying hands on people. And they want to start doing all kinds of things and they don't have permission from the people in charge. Amen. 
Well, Jesus didn't have permission. He's the head of the church. Are you the head of the church? You can't do what he did. You have to be under his authority and be assigned to do what you do. Amen. You know, people need to be healed true. But God knows that and he has provided an orderly way for those things to be carried out. Amen. In Matthew twenty seven eighteen, you see an example of, of why the Pharisees hated Jesus and put him to death. And it said even Pilate knew that he was crucified because they were jealous of him. Amen. Matthew 27 verse 18. And he said, Pilate knew that for envy, they ordered Jesus to be crucified. Amen. So they were simply jealous. This is the power, the evil power of jealousy, folks. And when you use your faith, somebody's jealous. I don't care who it is and I don't care what you think. You can bet on, you know, you can bet for sure somebody don't like it. When people start to criticize you. When you get an answer to prayer, huh? it's the same thing. For envy, they delivered him up. Amen. In, in Matthew 9, verses 1 through 4, you see the Pharisees dealing with Jesus again. And if they did it to him, they'll do it to his people. Amen. 9 1 through 4 it says verse 2 behold they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed and Jesus seeing their faith said to the sick of the palsy son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven and behold certain of the scribes said within themselves he's blaspheming amen Who's allowed to forgive sins except they look, the religious never look at the good work that's done. They look at who's doing it, how they did it, and they're jealous of their faith. Amen. So you might as well expect it, folks. When you start talking about the Lord and when you give a testimony in front of the wrong people and see what happens to you. Amen. And it's true, true. That's why Jesus would tell people when, when he would heal people, he tells some of them, don't tell anybody. Huh? Why? Because he knew they'd run into opposition. And when you run into opposition, you lose heart, you lose faint, you lose your healing, you lose your miracle. So he would tell some of them, uh-uh, don't tell anybody. But many of them were so excited they told anyway. Amen. But you saw that example, that young man who was born blind when Jesus healed him. Those Pharisees hounded him everywhere he went. Who did this? How'd they do it? Did you, is he a sinner? Wasn't he a sinner? Whatever. Instead of saying, praise God, you, you can see now. The jealous will never, the shameful and the jealous will never rejoice with you over your miracle. So you can forget it. Don't even bother to share it with them. Amen. You're just trying to cater to the wrong crowd. But those who love God and those who are encouraged by God, you can catch a a good saint in a bad mood. Amen. And they'll start to criticize your faith. Oh, I knew somebody that tried to get a miracle like that and they, they died. You never give a death testimony, you hear me? 
If you belong to God, he's the God of the living, not the dead. You don't carry around testimonies of people's faith that failed. Because there's lots of opportunities to share them. But God's glorified when the healed, when the sick get healed, when the lame walk, when the blind see, and the deaf hear. Amen? Alright, why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your glorious word that always sets us free, that delivers us, that helps us, and that heals us. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you've done for us in this meeting. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up.